it's very tough to develop your mind to become an overcomer and an achiever when you're polluting it with nonsense. And so it's a big part of the reason why the nonsense is so popular and is so widely promoted, but intelligent communities gotta do it different. And it starts with your home. I don't gotta change the world. I just gotta raise my son. That's it. And so we raised my son and we ain't watching drug dealer TV shows and not listening to, to terrible rap. Unless we turn it up. <laughs> listening to terrible rap. Tweet Talk, episode 147. Let's do it, yo. Then it's on. We on the end, Tweet dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. They're asking for another episode. Uh, I put out a poll. I was like, I want another episode. He was like, yeah. It was overwhelmingly positive, which is rare for a Twitter poll, usually Twitter polls get a lot of haters so yeah we're back and we're back what's going on charles man how you been 2023 finally back just uh using ai to expand my business and grow my business and finding out a really a lot of really cool ai sites so gonna be using those creating some content uh creating some more courses that kind of stuff not courses on ai but using AI to create courses. So that should be pretty cool. I already created a whole slideshow for uh, one of the courses and uh, looking to do some more. Nice. Nice. Chat GPT is all the rage. People are doing courses on it. I, w- I would say Chat GPT. Yeah, I saw this dude. He's creating a course. He said he made like a million dollars in like a few days. I thought it was kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> um. I mean, if you can help people, you can help people. But uh, yeah, I use it to send emails. Just had had to send out an email on the Silicon Valley Bank explaining that. So it's like it's cool that I can be a even better resource to people now because I can just tell it, like, create an email, explain like every single clearing event I can create an email for. Uh, so I've been doing that a lot. Um, interest rates, Jerome Powell, unemployment. I've been sending out some really good emails. So it's kind of cool to be able to add that value to my community and always relating it to options traders. So good things are happening. Yeah, man. I see you with the emails, man. I'm like uh, Charles is on it. I was like, this is going to turn Charles into even more of a monster with these emails. Can't touch Pretty it much. Now. Just got to find, got to find the leverage and you got to find the tools. And uh, I've had some good and bad experience with VAs and AI allows me to have the VA without having to deal with the person. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, man, I've found out how to create graphics. I found out how to, of course, create slideshows, create emails. I had an issue. One of the tenants, he he pays inconsistently. And um, one of the things I've struggled with is writing letters to him instead of text messaging him and doing things like that. So I just put it up on ChatGBT and I was like, write a letter about boom, boom, boom and knocked out the letter. And so now I'm just going to copy and paste it and then mail it to him, get that done. Um, instead of having to deal with uh, like other stuff, now it's formalized. Now it's like I have a solid letter I can send out that sounds professional. Didn't have to search for a Google template, which I've done in the past. Google templates can kind of be unhelpful. A lot of times I want to charge you for the Google, Google templates. So it's like just being able to have that tool helps out a lot. 
and it pays to have a template. Like I saw somebody on Twitter talking about how uh, the AI stuff being so prevalent now that you've seen a lot of template stuff. But templates are good, man. Save you time. Everything is a template. When I was working in a law firm, everything was a template. You never did anything without a template. Whenever you did anything, you went to a prior version, you modified that version. I got a, a tweet response from somebody because I had an interview with Jason Brown, who's a really successful options trader. And I was like, man, I got to get some questions for this dude. Usually I'd rack my brain, try to figure out some stuff. I went to ChatGPT. I said, write me 20 questions for Jason Brown, the options trader. He routed off 20 really good questions. And I tweeted that I did that. And some guys like, oh man, AI is ruining authentic content creation. Now people are just leaning on AI. I was like, bro, like, what are you talking about? I was like, just because I didn't write it doesn't mean the conversation is not authentic. Just because I didn't write the questions doesn't mean that it's not going to be a quality interview and conversation. It was a very good interview and conversation. It was probably more structured and laid out since I was actually using that as opposed to just winging it off the top of my head. Because sometimes I go into an interview and I'll literally just like ask questions as they come up. And those aren't good interviews. You're struggling to have a good conversation because you're always thinking of that next question. You're not really locked in what they're answering. And then I also was like, Man, Beyonce doesn't write the songs she sings. Kanye doesn't write the rap that he raps. Drake even mentioned it. No, not even Drake. Kendrick Lamar. He, I was watching the, the concert of him in Paris, and he had a line was like where he's using ghostwriters now. And I was like, at a certain mm-hmm. point in time, you get tapped out. And so you got to tap into other, other places. Other people would stop instead of reaching out into other places and getting that that more content because really what matters is the personality, you showing up, you doing these things as opposed to, did you write it all yourself? Did you do it all yourself? That's an employee mindset. And I tell Mm -hmm. people like, if you can find a tool that's going to allow you to write better emails, more structured emails, more informed emails, why not use that instead of like you focusing on trying to become this perfect email writer? It's the same thing that goes down to who, not how. You need who's, who's. ChatGPT is a version of a who. I can go to there. I can get things that are going to help me, the brand, do it even better. So some people get it, some people don't, but I don't care because I get dope responses from people who are like, man, like I can tell you've been blah, blah, blah. You've been in the lab improving this thing. And I am. Right, right, right. And things, the problem that a lot of us have is when we sit down and we know we got to put stuff out, we, we hesitate because we can't think of stuff. We can't think of it. So I'm not good at this stuff. So instead of sending out something crappy, we send out nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. The chat and also, even with chat GPT, I would argue that a lot of people think that the computer's doing the work for you. But in those AI courses, what they're doing is giving you prompts. So there's people who don't even have the insight to even craft a prompt that's going to give them a good response from chat GPT. And so these people are like, we have 50 pre-made prompts. All you got to do is plug it into chat GPT. They're making it plug and play. But I don't use the prompts, although maybe I will and tap into those because why make it more difficult than it has to be? But there's still some thought that goes into this. Like you have to be able to see what needs to be used, what isn't used, draw concepts and tie them together. You got to phrase it the right way. So a lot of people, they think that like the work is going to be done for you. And that's not 100% true. And you can still apply your intellect and your your thoughtfulness to what you're producing just through what you give it to create. Right. Because it always has to be a human touch. And so you got, for everybody listening, it's not going to do the work for you. So, I mean, not all the work. You still got to do some work. It do some of the work, but you still have to have some input on it. So you can't, really can't think for yourself. 
But like, I, I, I feel like the problem with like the wealth building or just people in general is like, what's wrong with having somebody do the work for you? <laughs> and also what's having, what's wrong with having somebody think for you? Like that is a millionaire, billionaire mindset is I don't got to do it all. And I shouldn't do it all because if I am doing it all, then I'm limiting my scale. So if I can have something think for me and do it for me, and then I get to get a captured the income that comes from that, why not? That's what business is. Right. Everybody's worried about um, people are going to lose their jobs. Copywriters are going to lose their jobs. Uh, not really. Some people will lose their jobs, but good copywriters will still have a place because eventually people still are not going to want to do it themselves especially once the business grows, like copywriters are just, their, their roles are going to change. Right. That's They'll get to the point to where now the copywriter's job is giving it a quality prompt <laughs> or refining the process. So yeah, copywriters are just going to have more clients, be able to handle more clients at a time. It's interesting because um, we see EVs being popular and like the idea is that gas cars will be extinct, but no technology ever goes extinct. It just maybe has a smaller role. And so people thought that email was going to eliminate people sending letters. It didn't. People still send letters. Post office still rolling. People still sending packages. People thought that cars would eliminate the train. People still take trains. People thought the planes would eliminate the train. People still take trains. Nothing gets completely eliminated. It just kind of like shifts a little bit. So it's your responsibility to pivot with the times, ideally, instead of staying stagnant in what was once there. Because, I mean, Blockbuster probably could have still existed. They didn't have as much, like, brick and mortar. But they have a brand. All they got to do is pivot to the times. Imagine if Blockbuster had a streaming app. Mm. People don't want to change. That's the part of the problem. Yeah, that's right. Netflix. I remember when it started off, mailing DVDs. They decided to pivot before they were extent. That's why it became a monster in the space. But Redbox is still around, which I'm surprised. Redbox does DVDs. They're still around, hanging on. I don't know how long they can survive, but they get into streaming, but even they're surviving. A lot of the, a lot of these companies that we think are dead, they're not great, but they're still around. Like Boston Market. I know people still eat there. Mm. Boston Market is still around. That's funny. All the American uh, car companies that we thought were going to die a long time ago are still around. GM is still around. Ford is still around. Toyota, Toyota didn't kill them. Tesla hasn't killed them. It's got a pivot, man. Now, all over the news, we're hearing about Silicon Valley Bank. Second largest bank collapse in U.S. history. That was crazy. The bank had like $209 billion in assets or something like that. And they collapsed in 48 hours. What did you think about that one? I think that there's a lot to it, but uh, apparently a large majority of their their money was in T-bills. And the downside of um, fixed income instruments is when interest rates go up, the value of those fixed rate instruments goes down. And so we used to do this in school a lot where like you have the value of a bond, the bond's like 4%, and then interest rates would go from like 7 to 8%. And then it was your responsibility to calculate the new value of that bond at the new interest rate. And so if you're holding a T-bill and interest rates just keep going up, guess what's happening to the value of your asset? It's going down and down and down. And they had a lot of money in those T-bills. And so- I think they didn't have T-bills. I think it was some other kind of bonds. The T-bills were doing better, they're saying. Like okay. T-bills were paying like 3.9. The ones they were holding were paying out like 1.75 or something like that. Right. And they were so, getting killed. Exactly. The thing is, I think it all goes back to the Fed. 
and the Joe Biden policies where they're jacking up these rates so far, so fast that you're going to get things like that. They're going to happen because people don't have enough time to react where if you're rolling it up once a year, uh, every other year, whatever that looked like a responsible Fed rate increase, you won't see what they're doing. But the problem is this is what they want. And that's what frustrates me so much about the current um, administration is they want people to be be losing. They want that. They want people who were able to do well through the pandemic or pre-pandemic and now are able to work for themselves to not have to work for them, to not be able to work for themselves. And instead, go back and work their regular job. That's what they want. Another thing they want is they want people to be unemployed. So they're championing unemployment. I think unemployment rate is at like 1.5, something, something crazy. I was looking at it and they're like, nah, we need the unemployment rate to be higher. Yeah. And I was like, how does that make sense? And then they're doing all this to quote champion inflation. And the only reason why inflation exists is in part because they printed a bunch of money, but really it's because they caused a massive shutdown. They shut down the entire economy for a year and a half, two years, and people couldn't make any money. And so they had to make all that money back. How are they going to make that money back quickly? By raising the prices. And so my problem is they're saying one thing and it's not the truth. It's not the truth. They're saying, oh, there's inflation out there because we printed a bunch of money or whatever that might be. Well, you caused that problem too. And my problem with this is that the government creates problems and then the government solves problems. And so we've talked about this before, like the way to build wealth is to be a problem solver. And then also what a lot of people do is they know that that's the case. So what they'll do is they'll create problems to solve. And so that's what the government is doing. They're literally creating problems and then saying, oh, damn, we got to solve this problem that we created. We need more more of your tax dollars to take care of that problem. I was watching the the Dr. Umar Johnson interview. Whenever Dr. Umar Johnson speaks, it's very insightful. I don't care if you agree, you disagree. It's always going to give you a perspective you never thought about. But he did say something that I've said a lot. And Dr. Umar Johnson said is we have to stop involving the government, our solutions. And I 100% agree. I don't think that wealthy, intelligent communities are trying to get the government to do things for them. I think they're trying to get the government out of the way so they can do things for themselves. In the black community, we're like, nah, government going to take care of it for us. The government, the government, the government, EBT, FHA, this and that, school choice. Well, people ain't worried about school choice. They already got school choice. They send their kids to wherever they want to go to. School choice is for people who want to use their vouchers. They want to use the money they're already paying the public education system to put them into the private system. That's what school choice is. Wealth people already do school choice. Things that we're trying to get people to do. They already have safe communities. Why? Because they have a private security patrol that checks you in at the gate. That's not the police department checking you into the gate in their, com- in their community. That is a private security. That's not the police department driving around their community making sure it's private. And that's where you have to go is you have to go private. And so. I say all this to say that Silicon Valley stuff just falls right back on the government. And it's frustrating because people voted for this stuff and they voted for it so hard that if you had an opposing opinion, you were called all kinds of names. And I had a revelation recently where I was thinking like a lot of people would say like, oh, you vote Republican because of this. You vote Republican because of that. It's like, no, like I've lost real money during the Joe Biden administration, real money. Because it's been destroying the economy. They're destroying the economy and it's just not a good environment right now. And I don't know. I've never really said there were going to be a recession, but now I'm scared. I, I really think it's going to be a recession now. Like it's going to be real. And, and and a lot of people when they they're like, yeah, recession, recession. Like the problem with the recession is you don't have the money that you think you have. So people mm-hmm. who think they're going to buy a house during a recession, 
you don't realize you ain't got a job and you burn through your savings and all your credit cards are leveraged up. You can't get a loan if you wanted to. That's what a recession is. A recession isn't this current existence and this home values are cheaper. No, a recession is you moving home with your parents. A recession is your car might be gone soon. That's a recession. It's not as pretty as people think it is. And it's it's about to get, I think it could, it could get bad. This might just be the the canary in the coal mine. Yeah, going back to what you said about the government and the high interest rates and the unemployment, like I was surprised too when they, they talked about uh, raising the rates and they want unemployment to go up. And at first I'm like, what the heck? That doesn't even make sense. But the, the idea is you're raising unemployment. You have more people out there looking for work. Eventually that brings wages down because the idea is the inflation is here part, partly because of the higher wages that got paid during the pandemic. Why did Wages go up during the pandemic because nobody wanted to work. So people had to pay more money to get them to come to work. And why did nobody want to work? Because the government was paying them a lot of money to stay home. The government, the government, the government. The government, so the government created paying, a problem. The government created a problem. And now the government's like, well, now we got to solve this problem we created. It was funny. Talk to people, people and I heard how much money they were getting for unemployment. And it's like, man, a lot of these people, they aren't lazy. They could just do math. Like, why would you come to work and actually work to get paid less than to stay home? You to stay home, make more money than you were making before and do something under the table off the books and you make even more money if you want to. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. People aren't stupid, man. I just want the government to get out of the way. Um, they, they don't really improve much of anything. Even with like the things that they propose, I don't really, I don't know. Like I'm just, especially when you get to a certain amount where you don't need the government, like I don't need the government to subsidize these things it's like just get out the way fam just leave me alone yeah i'm good welcome to tweet talk folks here we talk about building black wealth and we break down these financial tweets this episode is brought to you in part by alex nolan and events if you got an event that you need planned sure to go to alex and co that's alex and co dot events and get you an event planner charles so you said you already touched on this. It's probably recession time. They did it on purpose. Ghetto. Yeah, I kind of touched on that. Um, but you finally, uh, you finally willing to say use the re, the R word, huh? Well, when banks start failing, that's kind of an indication that there's a recession here. <coughs> um, a lot of the other things people were pointing at, I didn't really see it because it just wasn't there. I knew home values are going to have to come down, especially with interest rates, because like I said. Fixed rate asset, interest rates go up, values go down. Um, and people aren't going to overpay for your property if they're financing it at 7%. So that had to happen. Uh, the stock market thing, I know a lot of the tech was overvalued because it ran way past its pre-COVID highs. I knew that had to happen. Um, I just wasn't expecting the government to create a recession. Like That's what's kind of frustrating. So um, if all things played out how they're supposed to play out, I don't think we'd see a recession. But the government and their policies and their their um their actual like their mission, I think is here. So um do with that what you may. It is what it is. 
Everything runs in cycles, though, right? What goes up must come down. Yeah. I just, I'm not a person who can call things out without evidence. And so now that there's evidence, I would say that I don't try to predict anything. I just notice what's there. So now that I can see the actual evidence of something being there, I'm like, all right, I can agree with that statement. But prior to that, it just was all speculation. It was speculation at that point. It's like, like you said, what goes up must come down. So if somebody's saying like the stock market's going to go down, that's not that insightful. It's going to happen eventually. It's just what it does. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what didn't make sense to me. It's like people come around and say, I told you this was going to happen. So yeah, you said that every year for the past eight years. Right. You're about, you're about to be right sooner or later. Like, man, that shit predicting. And you had to tweet, Joe is not happy about you investing. Man, what? <laughs> I was joking about that. Um, I'm just kind of anti Joe Biden, man. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like the conversation during the Trump era was really focused on wealth building. And now I just think that the conversation is so negative. It's not really productive. We're not seeing good things in the news. Granted, you hardly ever see good things in the news. But these days, it's like, I just don't see the same optimism. I don't see the same active investing and building and developing that we saw in the prior administration. It's very negative. I mean, another thing that he proposes, like a 40% tax on capital gains. And so I think the current tax is like 20-ish and he wants to double that. He wants to tax unrealized capital gains. It's just like, if you just want, if you just want p- folks to be poor, just say that, Joe. But that's what Democrats do. T- Democrats are the party of the poor. And so what do you do? You had to create poor people. All the people that sound the silence saying uh, the housing market is going to crash. It's going to be a big recession. And we're acting like they were waiting for this recession to make moves. A lot of them aren't going to make moves. Yeah, because they're going to be unemployed. They're going to be unemployed or they're not going to have any savings. They're going to have too much debt to income because they've been living off of credit cards. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. And it's like, uh, like you said, like the, the housing price is going to come down, but now the interest rates are going up. So while you waited, you might as well just whatever you, whatever you plan to do that you think you're going to do, just do it now because you don't know what's going to happen in the future and you can't predict it. So if there's a move that you know you need to make and it's a good move, just make it now. Get yourself ready and make it now. So for this episode's segment of Black Billionaire Banter, let's just touch on the story about meal organics. It's not a new story. Happened in January. The founder announced that she sold her company to P&G Beauty and Black Twitter was, wait, not so crazy. I even saw people talking about how I'm not supporting Black business again because as soon as we support them, they just go set out to a white-owned company. So my question to you is, Yo, what's your opinion on this? Because why is it that we can't ever sell under any circumstances for, for a lot of people? Um, I think business for Black people represents more than just cash. It represents cash flow and never needing. And then even so, it represents um, the ability to pass on the cash flow to multiple generations. Firstly, the second I would say is that you don't want something that you built to benefit your community to go to people who aren't in your community or a part of your community because that essentially is extracting the value out of your community. The reason why Africa is poor is they they sell their natural resources. Like they're they're literally selling them and people are buying them on the cheap and then going and reselling them for a higher amount. And so I don't think they're getting robbed, but like sometimes you can get robbed with money. 
And that that's the crazy thing about like money in the system that they created where they can print money at a whim. They literally are creating it and then using it to take what you have and then improving it. And now they're dancing on top of what you had. So I believe that we have to see business as a form of equal rights movement because a lot of why we're losing is because we own our, we earn our money the wrong way. And then when we do get into a position where we can have some money and have it the right way, the business, now it's like, I'm just going to sell it off for cash. Warren Buffett once said, he's like, the, one of the worst things you can do is sell a great business for cash. Because as soon as you have that cash, it starts to disappear. It starts mm. to get eroded away with inflation. Um, you're going to start spending it. And now you have nothing. We see it all the time. It's very easy for a professional athlete or whoever to go broke. A lot of them go broke with a lot of money. But if they were given a business, now you got that cash flow. Now you got that pipeline. And so it's like Julian Gordon said, he's like, you don't want a pile of money. You want a pipeline of money. So a pile of money is less valuable than the pipeline. But what's great is when you have the asset is you can have both the pipeline and you can have the pile if you leverage it to do different things. And so if you wanted to sell that that business so that you can go and buy a house, well, the great thing is you can buy a house and then leverage it against the business. You don't have to choose either or. You can keep both. And so I would just say that we got to start thinking bigger than just us, um, the Hawkins family. Imagine if her dad sold that business, he would have left his kids a few hundred thousand dollars. Instead, he left his kids with the opportunity to make millions of dollars and they've done it. And then that's being passed down to her child. And so I would just say that in a lot of instances, money is overrated. Um, and also it can be manipulated. Money is overrated and it can be manipulated in a lot of different ways. And they'll go in there and they'll give you some fake money that they got from SVP and... <laughs> And then now they own your stuff and it was just a figment. They just created this money out of nowhere. It wasn't even real. And they just took your asset with something fake. They took your real asset with some fake money. I hear that. Um, I, used to, I used to think never sell. Absolutely never sell. Hold on to it. This is where the generational growth comes from that we talk about. Pass it down to your kids. Then eventually I kind of thought about it. Like we always talk about venture capital and and raising funds and how we don't get the money the other ethnicities do. Like we get less than two percent of the venture capital money that goes out there, and it's like if we never allow people to sell their companies, where are we going to get the funds to invest? In other you take companies? it public. But I will say this, Dan made a point where he was like, if you are going to sell it, at least make sure that you're getting an equal or greater return on that cash than you would um, if it was in the asset. So if you're going to sell a business, it's not party time. It's reinvesting hmm. time. That's what Elon Musk did. Elon Musk sold a business. And you know what he did? He bought three more. So if we're doing that, cool. But right. a lot of folks ain't doing that. They, they're taking that bread and they're just like, all right. Cool, I'm done here. Hard work's over. Yeah, like the guy, uh, what's his name? Richard Lowe Dennis. I think he was uh, Shea Moisture. He sold his company and he's, he's investing in other black com- companies, like actively black when he's doing the interview. So I think that's really cool. Um, uh, there is an issue though when, like you said, if your company is providing the solution specifically for black people, then that's where 
is really like muddy. Like if you create a company specifically to deal with black hair or black skin, when you sell the company, you know they're gonna change the formulas. And then it's no longer what you set out to do. So then like people have to go people gotta go out find another product, another company that's gonna give them the solutions to their problems. So it's really tricky. It's really tricky. I just feel like you gotta at some point in time take a hard stance and no nonsense hard stance. And a lot of times we don't do that. And because of that, we don't have no standards, we don't have any expectations. It's just do whatever you want to do. And you can't build a healthy community when it's just do whatever you want to do. So you can't, there's no predictability in that. There's no reliability in that. There's no stability in that. There's stability when it comes where somebody's like, I know this company is going to stay here forever. Because like you said, now they're questioning it. So they ruined it for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, that lady that has the oldest black owned construction company in America, it's been in her family for what, like a hundred years or something like that. And she's still going. And you give but, your chance to, you give yourself the ability to grow too. So it's like, just cause you're here, doesn't mean that you're going to stay there. Who knows where you'll be in 10, 15 years. Who knows what you'll be doing in 10, 15 years. Yeah. So you had a tweet where you said, uh, I don't know if you remember this one, but I want black Americans to have the same success as black immigrants. I don't know where that came from, but um, you just see it a lot. I think people are blind to it, but I'm always looking. Whenever I see somebody who's like black and successful, I'm looking at like their last name. And so mm-hmm. we've been seeing it a lot in entertainment. We've been seeing a lot of actors who mm-hmm. will pop up. They'll be playing a thug. And then get on an interview and they're like, cheerio, mate. I'm like, what? <laughs> he was just over here saying the N-word. And uh, and we see it there. I've always known that they were going to have success in like the NFL and like the NBA. Because one thing that I noticed when I was growing up is like African dudes just build muscle different. Like any African dude that I know is just swole. Like they actually work out. And I was like, man, why can't I get buff like that? It's just different. And so um, you, you're seeing a lot more successful Africans in the NBA and in the NFL. And of course, you can tell by their last name. And then obviously you see it just in like the professional space where you're seeing it in the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers. I see it a lot of times when I see like a girl who's like a lawyer and you look at her page and it has like a, a different country flag or business people who are successful that appear to be black, but then they're like West Indian in their background. I think a lot of it comes from the mentality. They don't fall victim to the narrative of being a victim. They look at the opportunity in America instead of looking at the history in America. So they're moving forward as opposed to like saying, oh, this bad stuff happened, blah, blah, blah. Um, The expectations are different. But also, I feel like in a lot of instances, they're a little bit more accepted into society than an African-American person because um, since they aren't sitting on that history, they're less of a threat of retaliation or retribution. So there's a lot that goes into it, but 
I only share it because I want African-American people to start adopting that mentality. There's a book called The Triple Package, and one of the elements of the triple, triple package is a superiority complex, feeling as though your group is special for some reason or another. You also have to have a chip on your shoulder so where you feel like you have something to, to prove. And I feel like for us, I don't think that our history translates into a chip as much as it translates into a burden where some people will look at, and this is why Tiger Woods is so amazing. Like Tiger Woods came into it and he experienced a lot of racism and a lot of hatred. And that's what pushed him to go further. But he also knew he was better. He also knew he was just superior to them. And so I think the people who are African-American who do well, like myself, we tend to kind of don't look at the history as a bad thing as much as it's like, all right, I just, just got to show you. Let me show you. Let me prove. Let me do this. Where other people in the community, they're like, oh, well, we ain't never going. We ain't never going. It's impossible. We black, this and that. So there's a lot that goes into it. And all that's mental. All that's mental, which goes to what I was saying. We need to adopt that mentality. So once we get there, hopefully we can. But it's really tough when you're watching slave movies and drug dealer TV shows. If you're filling your brain up with rap music that just talks about ignorant stuff, it's very tough to develop your mind to become an overcomer and an achiever when you're polluting it with nonsense. And so it's a big part of the reason why the nonsense is so popular and it's so widely promoted, but intelligent communities got to do it different. And it starts with your home. I don't got to change the world. I just got to raise my son. That's it. And so we raised my son and we ain't watching drug dealer TV shows. We're not listening to, to terrible rap. And let's be turning up. We're not <laughs> up listening to terrible rap. Do you watch that? Uh, I saw you posted a clip. I didn't. I didn't listen to it. But the rich kids in was it rich kids of Africa or something like that? I like started a little bit, but all of them are rappers. Right. It wasn't like Van Gogh's son. <laughs> right. It's kind of like yeah. It's kind of like an Americanized type of thing. Yeah, very Americanized. It was interesting though that other that that show uh, I think is Riches on Amazon Prime. That was a good show. That was a good show. If you haven't watched that, folks, go watch Riches on Amazon Prime. Hopefully, um, it gets a second season. For sure, go watch that, folks. If you got Prime Video, that's that that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, let's see. So I saw you shared a, a, a tweet from somebody saying working for yourself means thinking you're going to be homeless or a multimillionaire five times before lunch. You talk about like that entrepreneurship roller coaster and how you still rather that than going back to the job. Um, what sucks about a job to me is the cap and the ceiling. Um, we're going through a slow period in entrepreneurship, but I had to tell myself, like, it's not always slow. So, like, it will be back up and it'll be back booming. And my responsibility now is to load the clip. So to take this opportunity while we're experiencing a slowdown and produce more, create more, and look for more things to acquire. So as an entrepreneur, like you got to understand that like slow periods are a part of the game and you can't use like a slow period as a reason to stop. But just the idea of 
being away from my home five days out of week, mandatory for a certain amount of hours, mandatory, just sounds crazy to me. Like if I want to work on Monday, I work on Monday. If I don't want to work on Monday, I don't work on Monday. I don't want it to be like, I got to be somewhere. And if I'm not there, I can't eat. And then not only that, now I've had jobs where they didn't give me benefits. Like I had to fight them to get health insurance um, because they just, they didn't give an F. And so at this point, I only have health insurance because I pay for it. I haven't had health insurance for so long. And so I've been going to the dentist and they had to like clean out like a lot of years of like me not getting teeth cleanings. And it was so painful. They had gave me shots. They did it in two sessions. It was painful because I mean, I was in law school. Then I went and started working for a firm that didn't give me benefits, which another firm didn't give me benefits. So I was out of medical and health insurance for a long time. But when I had a son, that wasn't an option. <laughs> when I had a son, it wasn't an option to not have health insurance. And so we had to get it done. Um, and uh, it's just, I thought about getting a job just so I can experience why I don't want a job. Because, I mean, I've been places and seen how people are talked to, how they're treated. And it's like, I don't want that for my life, man. Because they, it's just not, I, I see myself as too great of a person to subject myself to the whim of people who aren't great people who are just there because of circumstance, who are just there because they were born a certain way, who are just there because they knew somebody. I just, I can't do it. Can't do it, man. Anything you want to announce or let the people know before we wrap this up? Uh, I dropped the advanced trading options book. Um, you can get that for $18. There's only a few more left at that price. Um, the advanced options trading course is coming soon after. So if you get that, you get the special price on the advanced options trading course. Um, I'm running a unretirement sale until it sells out. It's only 20 left of the Freedom Pack. So get it while you can. After that, it'll be going back on the shelf. Um, and other than that, we just out here living, trying to finish this house. Just out here living. So. For episode 147 of Pre-Talk with Black World Podcast. I'm your host, Raphael. As much with my co-host, Charles Oldersby III, J.D., a.k.a. Todd Billionaire. We just want all Black people to have success. We are out. Peace.